Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Hello, Coach Paula. What's up, Mr. Larry Dean Roberts? I'm having a good time in the Grand Canyon State. Arizona. I didn't know it was the Grand Canyon State until I looked it up. I found that out when I was teaching middle school, but we went to the Grand Canyon in 2018? No, 2019. We went to the Grand Canyon. I don't remember when. Were we in Arizona? It was in Arizona back then, too. Good to know. Yep. We didn't spend much time at the Grand Canyon. We didn't. We had a hefty agenda on that family vacation. We saw this massive hole in the ground, and then we got back in the car and left. Pretty much. Our trip was a little different. We ran down to the base and tried to run up, but it and turned out it was more walking up. <laughs> but it took us the entire day. <laughs> we run out of daylight, so we wanted to get out before dark, so we headed back, and it's like three miles uphill and I had to stop like every hundred yards and rest. And for our listeners we're so excited because you have just heard the voices of Suzanne Anderson and Lee Anderson and we're so excited that we are all on this trip together. It's been fun hanging out with friends and although I didn't run the race today it was fun being part of the crew and you guys did great. Coach Roberts does a great job of being a Sherpa. He has taken good care of us. (laughs) I feel like I've done an okay job chauffeuring. I'm not sure how good of a job I did with the fan plan today. And I was going to get into that some as we go through the race weekend and the race details. Yeah, I'd kind of like to start with our direct flight from Nashville to Phoenix. Want to get away pricing for a direct flight. It wasn't as direct as we expected. We stayed on the same plane the entire trip. <laughs> so our direct flight went from Nashville to San Antonio to El Paso to Phoenix. We got here. We got here, and we didn't check any bags, but you all checked a bag, and it made it. Yeah. Well, I guess it would. It stayed on the same plane the whole time. Right, but anytime there are people getting on and off planes, you run the risk of your luggage also getting off the plane. So they did a great job, with the exception they told us Carousel 4. So we waited and waited, and there were no more bags on Carousel 4. And I think, Suzanne, did you hear somebody say something about their bag being on the wrong carousel? Mm -hmm. So I looked over. And there was our bag in the other carousel. <laughs> Just at that exact moment that someone had said something, which I didn't hear the conversation. I'm glad you did. And my passport made it to San Jose, California. Uh, they called last night and said that they had my passport. So um, that's the only thing that didn't make it with us. <laughs> and I guess that fell out of your backpack. purse or backpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm assuming they're going to mail that to you. Once I set up a FedEx account... Because I have to pay for it, for them to mail it to me. Of course. Mm-hmm. At first, you didn't believe the guy. 
No, I thought it was a prank call. It was last night. <laughs> and I thought it was a prank call. And he called. finally he called three times on the third time I answered. And I was grateful that he called and apologized for not answering. And he's just really nice and wanted to make sure that uh, I got what, my, my belonging. That was very nice. Mm-hmm. There are always little blessings along the way. So it was a passenger? It wasn't the airline? Is the airline. Okay. Southwest. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. So when we landed on Thursday evening, we got the rental car, we drove around. I was surprised by all the cacti. Is that proper English? It is. (laughs) And I was doing some research on Arizona, and its state motto is God enriches. And just looking at the scenery and the terrain, it seems kind of barren other than some little enrichments little enrichments so speaking of the little enrichments as we were running along today jessica deckard i know we're skipping ahead but it seems to just fit since you're talking about cacti (laughs) but she was actually wearing the aftershocks and had her phone and had the mesa marathon app that gave you details so the first thing that she said was that the phoenix etched into the mountain with the arrow was created by the Boy Scouts to let pilots know where the airport was. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Paula said that, coming in. That it was directing the pilots. Mm-hmm. I said, look, the arrow's telling the airplanes where to go. Only I was completely joking. <laughs> I had no idea. But back to why I brought that up now is she also said that the big tall cacti that we saw if they have arms coming out of them then they're at least 75 years old wow so that was a fun fact Mm -hmm. i think she said um for them to grow three feet it's about 25 years wow we saw some really tall (laughs) cacti (laughs) ancient (laughs) oh they have a long life longevity so yesterday before the race trying to kill some time trying to stay off the feet. We went on a little adventure. We went to Dobbins Lookout. Five-star review. Mm -hmm. It was a very curvy two-lane road, but it wasn't too bad. And we did, at least three of us, saw a roadrunner cross the street. Oh, who's rolling their eyes because they didn't see the roadrunner? I think that's the first roadrunner I've ever seen. Beep, beep. Yeah, it is for me as well. Other than the color, it resembled the cartoon character, except it was much smaller. Had you ever seen a Roadrunner before? I can't say that I have. And we thought we had seen an armadillo earlier (laughs) in the day, but that turned out to be just some rocks. So the guys, Dean and Lee, both saw an armadillo, and they felt badly for the girls because we didn't see it. So they whipped around our first U-turn of the trip, by the way, and they were rocks. (laughs) Someone made the comment today when we passed that. I think you did. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's that girl's armadillo or something. (laughs) That lady looked over. She's like, where? (laughs) Another fun fact that we um, talked about at the top of Dobbins was uh, how much rain Phoenix gets. Of course, 
Anytime we have a question that no one can answer, one of us ends up Googling it. And the average rainfall in Phoenix for a year is 4 to 12 inches, or the average rainfall was 8 inches. So today when we were running, I heard uh, a gentleman behind us say when he used to, or in a previous race, um, they ran and it was not a heat index, heat advisory, and it rained on them the entire time. And I thought, my goodness, (laughs) that's some bad luck there (laughs) to have a heat advisory and rain on you when it only rains eight inches out of the year. So I wonder if that was refreshing. The rain was refreshing. I didn't hear heat. that comment. Might have helped with the heat index. Maybe. I know it would shock you that I didn't hear any of that conversation. You were focused. We may talk about why later. I think <laughs> I ran with a whole bunch more people than they did. <laughs> so I was going to just mention a few other things that we did the day before the race. We found a really nice restaurant. At least I thought it was really nice. What was the name of that? Picasso's Healthy Italian Kitchen. Mm-hmm. So if you're traveling to the Phoenix, Tempe, Mesa, Arizona area, that's a good restaurant choice. I'm just sad I didn't get the pizza because when they offer gluten-free breadsticks, you can almost guarantee they make the crust in-house. I bet they have delicious pizza. Mm-hmm. The gluten-free breadsticks were amazing. Mm-hmm. They were. I thought the cheese was a distraction for them. Just be, I like cheese and they were good, but the bread was so good because I never get to have it. So enough about food. We decided to drive the course yesterday. So we drove to the starting line, which was at the Rio Salado gun range, which is underneath. And we heard, we heard shots. Suzanne took cover. <laughs> There were gunshots. Not this morning, though. And that was underneath the Phoenix sign that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And as we were driving around, there was a lot of references to Rio Salado. Well, that stands for Salt River. And I didn't know it. I don't remember seeing it, a river as we were driving. There was aqueducts, but looking at a map, there is a salt river that weaves its way through the Phoenix area up close to where the gun range was. Well, let me tell you, I'm craving salt right now. We may have to go that river. (laughs) We've got some pretzels with peanut butter in them Mm -hmm. that are very salty. (laughs) I thought another interesting thing about our race, if Paula touched on it, was this app that they offered. And I don't believe Lee and I have ever participated in a race where they had this app. And our other friend, Jessica Deckard, who ran with us, downloaded the app and was telling us all these fun facts um, along the race, but it also alerted you when the rest stops were coming up. And then once we passed each mile marker, it said, if you remain on this pace, your finish time will be this. Some people like to hear things like that. I didn't think I would like to hear that, but after running today, it probably would have been a good distraction for me to keep me focused on the race. When I read in the athlete guide about the app, I thought that was pretty unique. I hadn't heard of that before either. And I was thinking that the audio was going to tell you about like tourist attractions that you passed mm-hmm. or you know highlights of the scenery. 
I don't know if that happened or not. It did. It did. Yeah, the it told about the Boy Scouts and the Phoenix Arrow and the cactus. The cactus. And then we went by um, a warehouse, and it said that this is where they make the Apache helicopters for the military. So things like that were referenced as well. well that's a pretty cool app. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned in the last podcast that I've been dealing with a foot injury, and it's getting better. I've been able to walk normal this weekend, but I just didn't feel like it was safe to run on. So at the last minute, I started working on my fan plan. It wasn't my best fan plan, but it worked out okay. I had intended on seeing you all at six places and the finish, and I think it may have been four places and after the finish. <laughs> but It's hard to do on your own when you don't have a navigator helping you, I think, in the, in the passenger side. It's really hard to navigate and be the um, aid person for, for us. And so many other roads were blocked as well. So even if you had navigated, you may not be able to go where you wanted to go. That was my experience later in the race. Early in the race, I had a visual on where I could go and where I couldn't go. And I would head in the correct direction and then Google Maps would figure out the route that I wanted to take. But later in the race... It just didn't work out quite quite like that. It's always good to see your crew. So something else that happened yesterday, when we got to our condo, we noticed there was an orange tree in the backyard. <laughs> and who would have thought that orange trees were a big thing in Arizona? I never knew that. They are abundant. Orange, lemon, and grapefruit. So the oranges in our tree were just taunting me, and I tried my best to get some oranges, and I was able to get one orange, and I must say it was delicious. Well, let me just say, Lee and I had gone on a shakeout run, and I left you and Suzanne, and I come back, and you've got holes in your arms and and an orange. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew orange trees had thorns? I didn't know that. I did not know that. Apple trees don't have thorns. (laughs) <laughs> That's a funny story. That night I said, what inspired you to climb that orange tree? And you said, what did you say? To get an apple. You said, because I wanted an apple. <laughs> and I started laughing and you're like, what? And then you realize what you said. <laughs> we were all tired. Something else we noticed when we arrived. Well, obviously the temperature was a lot different than when we left Kentucky. Our daughter let us know this morning that it was potentially going to reach 40 degrees. And when we got here, it was in the 70s, maybe a little bit warmer. I think it got up to close to 80 today. But we decided to sit out back and soak up some rays because February in Kentucky is just not a good time to go outside and expose your skin to the sun. So I took my shirt off because I packed pretty light. I didn't want to get a shirt sweaty. And another resident comes out of their condo in pants and a sweater as if it might get cold. So it's all in what you get used to. Yeah, we took a picture of a lady who was wearing a a heavy winter coat. And it is February. You know, they're used to... But it was 80 degrees. It was, well, yes. By that point, it, it may have dipped to 78, but wow. 
It's warm by our standards. One more thing about uh, last night, and I guess early this morning is, since we had to get up so early, we got up at 3 o'clock. We went to bed very early. So we went to bed, what, by 9 o'clock, I think we were all in bed. But then we had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to prepare to get on the bus and get left here at 4. So that was pretty early to start preparing for a race. And it was early getting to the airport on Thursday as well. You all picked us up at... 410. 410-ish. No, they were there before 410. <laughs> well, continuing on with <laughs> yesterday, we went to the expo, and I thought it was a pretty nice expo. It was interesting that the initial part of the expo, where you get your packet and get your shirt, seemed like it was set up on what is normally a putting green. Did y'all notice that? Artificial turf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of golf course size holes covered up with plastic. So I wonder what that is normally when they're not hosting something like the Mesa Marathon. Anyway, it was interesting. It was semi-outdoors. Could have been part of Bass Pro Shop because Bass Pro Shop is right across there. So that may be their putting area. So somebody's trying out some clubs there or something. Could be. I also noticed a heavy police presence at the expo and then even today in the um as athletes were coming past the finish line and when we got to the end of the finish line i mean it almost looked like a swat team there were six guys heavy police gear on and then as we kept walking i just saw they were walking around in twos and i just wonder if that is a uh, due to what happened at the Boston Marathon, that at these larger races now, they have to have that heavy police presence. Well, they even had someone drive through a parade, you know, just drove right down the middle of a parade running over people in a car. So I guess they decided they better be extra cautious now with those things. Another fun fact, since the police presence was so heavy, Jessica also informed us from this app that Mesa is the 36th or 38th? 34th, maybe. Somewhere in the 30th largest cities in the United States. Phoenix. Mesa. Mesa. That's what she said. Well, looking at Phoenix and Tempe and Mesa from Dobbins Lookout, it looks like one big city to me. (laughs) It does. It's kind of like Owensboro. Phil Pot and Whitesville only on steroids. <laughs> okay. I'll go along with that. Something else about the expo. You mentioned the Boy Scouts putting the Phoenix sign on the side of the mountain. The junior ROTC and other youth volunteers were helping at the expo. I just thought that was a good opportunity for them to do something to help the community. Yes, it helped the marathon and the community but it also helped the organization because the revel series they actually will donate to organizations who create a pretty significant volunteer presence at their event well let's move on to race morning you already mentioned we had to get up early and we left the condo at 4 a.m to drive to the bus pickup because No one was allowed to drive to the starting line. Everybody had to meet at the bus pickup area, which it took us about 20 minutes to get there, and then there was a lot of traffic. But I was impressed with traffic control. Even though there were a lot of cars, it moved pretty well. 
and I was able to get out pretty quick after dropping you off and make it back to the condo for a while. Well, and I felt like the other participants were very accommodating as well. If a car was in the wrong lane, people let other people into the correct lane, and so it was just a very cordial event. But what I was shocked about, especially, I mean, we were fortunate in that we only had to drive 20 minutes to get there, but Jessica was coming from 40 minutes away. There were no restroom facilities or portalettes at bus pickup. So if you had to go to the restroom by the time you got to bus pickup, you were not going to be a happy camper on the bus. And then the bus ride was about 40 minutes itself? 40, 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that 20-minute trip took 40 because the way we went to get to the start line, we drove up the course where they drove around and came in behind the finish line and staged all the buses. But they did have it set up very well in that they had a lot of portalettes and they even had standing heaters to keep us warm. Of course, we had our space blankets to keep us warm as well. So it was organized very well at the start. The fact that you had to get there an hour before the start, that's a long time you know, to wait, just stand around. But you, know, you had to do different things, check in your bag, go to the bathroom, warm up. Were you able to stay on the buses if you wanted to? Yes, that was allowed. Yes, but everyone had to go to the restroom by the time they got there, so no one was staying on the buses. Could you get back on a bus after you got off? They mm-hmm. said no. There were a lot of streets that said road closed, local traffic only. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a suggestion. So you went on those streets? Multiple times. <laughs> I, I am kind of shocked at um, how many goodie bus- goodies we got in our bag. The nice shirts we, we received. And then, I mean, the start, that whole process had to be tremendously expensive because you had all those school buses, you had all the Porta Johns, you had the um, propane heaters, um, they had several uh, Penske trucks to um, gather equipment and lots of volunteers. And I'm pretty sure that at every roadblock along the way, there was at least two to three police officers at each roadblock. That was what I saw as well. And they were doing a good job controlling traffic. I just didn't, I didn't feel like, and I didn't feel like that the entry fee was that overpriced. It was about the same that we pay for any marathon. So, um... They must have a very good bookkeeper. We signed up up really early, so that helped. Mm -hmm. And then we signed up as the RYR endurance team. True, I remember that. that. So we saved an extra $5 for that. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned the the swag. So they had a really nice shirt, and they gave everybody a pair of socks, a pair of inexpensive gloves just because of the cold morning start. Mm-hmm. And then, was it a towel? A cooling towel. Mm-hmm. And then a Mylar blanket. Mm-hmm. And a mug. Oh, and a stainless steel insulated tumbler mm-hmm. that some people might call a Yeti, but it wasn't a Yeti. Mm-hmm. For a small drink, but it was still a, neat, a unique swag gift that we've never received before, and we've run a lot of races. I don't think it has anything other than a sticker on it that reflects the Mesa Marathon. Mm-hmm. Does it? It does. It it represents Rebel. Mm-hmm. But oh, it's just yeah. a sticker, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I'm 
just didn't recognize if anything was engraved or painted on it. I don't think it's so. just a sticker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the race start it was at six thirty this morning, and after the long bus ride, you finally get there, make a mad dash to the restroom, and then you wait around. Well, let me tell you about the restrooms because we talked about this after the Boston Marathon. I'm also going to mention it again at Mesa when you get off of a bus. Don't go to the first lines you see. Walk way down where nobody is because in Boston, if you went, if you follow the crowd, you're going to be in long lines. Don't follow the crowd. Get in. I mean, we had zero line to mm-hmm. get in the portal. It's just because we've been around enough to know there's always a road less traveled. We walked. Shh, don't tell any. Don't tell the other runners. <laughs> <laughs> we walked straight for the start. So we got to the last few porta potties that didn't have our. Well, we kind of went to the middle because the one end was by the buses where everybody was congregating. Mm-hmm. The other end was right at the starting line, and people really started congregating there as well. So that little middle section was pretty sweet. Well, and the fact that they had a light in them, I never known one to have a light. <laughs> oh, that was nice. I did not realize because this it's light in Owensboro now by 6.30 in the morning, but here it was still Still pitch dark. Now, it didn't take 10 minutes for it to lighten up, and it didn't take eight minutes for it to warm up, I thought. I took my gloves off early. I held my gloves. Somebody else may or may not have accidentally dropped their gloves. (laughs) (laughs) Into the port of John? No. No, after we started. I was trying to put my um, water bottle back in my flip belt, and it's hard. Those gloves are just cotton gloves and they you couldn't get any traction so I took one off and then when I was trying to get my water bottle in I dropped it and if I'd stopped it would have been boom boom trampled (laughs) toward the beginning (laughs) yeah so I was one of those that dropped their glove on the ground and I wasn't supposed to I saw a lot of stray gloves (laughs) along the ground I'm sure everyone had the same malfunctions have y'all heard how many athletes participated yes for the total for the 10k the half and the full a little over 7,000 but for the full a little bit over 2,500 and that was on the app as well well as a spectator it seemed like there were a lot of runners there were there just weren't any gaps in the runners there was always several everywhere that I was at they lit up fireworks twice at the start once after the national anthem and then once right as we started so that was cool and you could start to see the sun coming up over the mountains Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful start but i don't think i've ever done a race before where the start is in the mid 40s probably felt cooler than that because of the wind to probably upper 70s or 80 even maybe it was a nice temperature rise there so as part of my fan plan and having driven the course the day before and studied the roads a little bit, there were some roads that I just wasn't going to be able to drive on to get up close to the start. So my first stop was going to be at about seven and three quarter miles at an intersection where there was a Walgreen. And I thought that I'd probably be one of a handful of people there, but there were a lot of cars and a lot of people who had picked out that same intersection. And while I was standing there watching the runners come away from the mountain towards me, the sun popped over the mountain 
And so I'm looking at the runners with the sun right in my face. So I had to find another position, but it wasn't too far off from where you had expected me. And I was glad that you all were able to see me. Guess who spotted you first? Was that you? Mm-hmm. Since she heard you first. So she was standing here for you. Was it my blue jacket that stood out? I heard your voice first, and then uh, that kind of cued me to try to get a good look, and I saw the blue and yellow 2009 Boston jacket. I needed a jacket early in the morning, but later in the day I had to shed it. Mm -hmm. There were some runners that ran shirtless. Maybe they wore a shirt and threw it away, but we didn't send anybody to start shirtless, so they must have taken it off at some point. We did see a lady. Well, Suzanne saw a lady at the start, and she was hula hooping. I saw the hula hoop lady. Evidently, she hula hooped the entire no, run. We, she passed us at some point in time. She's still going in there. Well, when I saw the hula hoop lady, she had a fuel belt like what I wear with the bottles, and she had the hula hoops looped around the bottles, and she was not twirling. She was just running. Mm, that makes me feel a little better. Well, we were... I never saw a hula hoop lady again, except for when she was warming up. I'm thinking it was about, about mile 15, because Jessica was still with us. Um, Guess where we, I was. And we were waiting for Miss Paula. <laughs> um, with for one the of her little time. <laughs> she was just, she would twirl them around her chest and then around her arms. And she was doing oh, right. that the whole time we were waiting. Um, While she was running. But we, she was also doing it the hour before the race started over to the side. I guess that was her warm-up. I don't know. Well, at least she wasn't cold. Yeah. It's like running a marathon isn't tough enough. Wow. There was a guy at the finish carrying a flag. I feel like maybe he carried the flag the whole way. So I'm jumping ahead. I'm already at the seven and three-quarter mile mark. But tell me about the race from the start to the seven and a half, seven and three quarter mile mark when you first saw me. Yeah, so Jessica Deckard, who is a listener of this podcast and a good friend of all of us, she uh, was doing her very first marathon, and she was thinking she wanted to line up with the 420 pace group, and so we didn't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. The pace groups were not very spread out. They were right on top of each other. So the sign that I saw closest to us was the 405 pace group, but they were out fast. But it was all downhill and it it felt easy. That first four miles just, we started out conservative, but it felt really easy. And then that pace group slowed their roll a little bit as we got into the Uphill, probably about a mile and a half uphill section, I guess. So, how was the uphill section? We just took it easy and it seemed fine. Our heart rates rose a little bit, but as soon as we crested the hill, they came back down and our pace continued. And it only lasted about a mile and a half to two miles at the most. Mm-hmm. So, for somebody who hasn't run this race before, the uphill is really nothing to worry about. I don't think so. Good deal. Just looking at the elevation profile, it looks like it could be intimidating, but I'm glad it's not. When we did our shakeout run the day before, we drove the course and you dropped us off in that uphill section. I felt very winded in our shakeout run climbing that hill. I don't know if it was still getting used to the difference in elevation between Owensboro and here or what, but I didn't feel that winded effect 
this morning, and it was still 40 degrees this morning. And we'd also already ran about four miles, and I think that had something to do with it, too. We were in the flow of running at that point mm-hmm. in time, whereas yesterday we just started running up the right. hill. Yeah, started up the hill without any kind of warm-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at mile three, which was the first aid station, I really wanted to jump into a portalette right there because my stomach was churning. Like, I didn't know what was going on with my stomach but as soon as we started I thought I was going to have to get off the road to the side and maybe you know relieve my stomach (laughs) in a in a heaving kind of way Mm -hmm. so when I got to mile three I thought I should really stop but I hate to do it because it was still pretty congested right there so I didn't and I really regretted the next two miles because from mile three to five was extremely rough my race was pretty much defined by hopping in portalettes at each aid station. <laughs> and then, which I told them, go on. Like, I didn't I didn't want to hold up their race or hurt their race. And eventually Jessica did, especially with it being her first marathon. She needed to stay within herself. And I think Lee and Suzanne finally just kind of hit a stride and would just slow their pace a little bit. And so I felt like a game of cat and mouse, I'd go to the portalette. And then I'd work my way back up to them. So I stopped. I would say, looking at it, I probably stopped. A good 12 would be a low estimate and 15 probably a more accurate estimate of how how much I was actually inside of a portal in this race. 12 to 15 times in the bathroom? Minutes. No, I was, I did it mile five. I looked at it nine, 11, 13, 15, and 17. So, and then I would just work my way back up. (laughs) So what did you have yesterday at Picasso's Healthy Italian Kitchen? That may not be something that we want to suggest. Yeah, usually the night before and day before race, I'll eat something very bland. I'll eat plain chicken and a plain baked potato with some Himalayan pink salt. And yesterday, of course, we were at a restaurant that had a lot of gluten-free options. So I ate the cheesy bread (laughs) pre-race and I ate pasta, which I don't ever eat pasta before race. And the sauce, the red sauce is something that I don't usually have. So I don't know if it was that or if it was, I mean, I just, I don't know. It just, I don't know. And usually I make my own nutrition and I had practiced and used an over-the-counter, like off-the-shelf product that I don't normally use. So I don't know. It just wasn't my digestive health day, but overall I still enjoyed the day. I was able to eat your leftover chicken parmesan. It was delicious. Mm, That was good. One point I want to make is at nine miles, I thought Paula was going to drop out. I mean, most of us would have. Most everybody would have stopped at that point and said, hey, it's just not my day. I'm going to drop here. Y'all go ahead. But she didn't do that. She kept going. And the first time she caught up with us, I was surprised. I didn't think we'd ever see her again. So I was surprised that she caught up with us, and she just kept doing that. She would stop. We would go on. She'd catch up with us. She'd stop. We'd go on. She'd catch up with us. By the end of the race, it reversed, and they were waiting on me because I was moving so slow at that point in time. They would walk. When I would get to a water stop, I would get some water and some Gatorade, and I would walk for a few minutes, and 
they would get a little ahead of me and then they'd wait on me and then I'd catch up. And so we just kept playing that back and forth. So it, it worked out really well. We all finished. That's the main thing. And finished pretty close together. I think at mile, probably around mile 16, I was catching up with you guys from my mile 15 stop. But I could see that Jessica was going on ahead of you. And so I assume Suzanne probably encouraged her, run, run your race, run your race. And so by the time I caught up, Suzanne said that she was going to, her goal, like she wanted to finish the first race of the year with Lee. And I, considering all the digestive issues, like I was so relieved because, I mean, from that point I felt no pressure. Like I just enjoyed myself and... It just felt better. I, well, I, I will say I felt no pressure until Suzanne realized if somewhere in the last mile that we could still go under a certain time. I don't remember what it was now. She's like, let's go. And so our last quarter mile was like definitely the fastest quarter we ran the entire day. Even in the downhill sections, we were not running that fast. But it was fun, wasn't it? The legs felt good. and. Yeah. I mean, I felt fresh at the end. I mean, I felt dehydrated and exhausted, but the legs really have never felt fresher <laughs> at the end of a race. <laughs> so. I'll tell you a little bit more about my day. You know, the fan plan that was improvised, wasn't really thought out, but I had planned on seeing you all at 10 and three quarter. And so I don't I, remember seeing you at 10 and three quarter. I drove to 10 and three quarter and it took me about 20 minutes well it took me less than 20 minutes so i went into a gas station i used the restroom i picked out some snacks i got a few different cliff bars because the fan needs the fuel if i'm going to make it to the finish and then i went out to the street and i'm standing there just waiting for y'all to come by and the 420 pace group comes by. I'm like, how did I miss them? You missed us for sure. How did I miss you? So I <laughs> hopped in the vehicle and hustled to get to stop number three, 14 and three quarter. And I made it there in plenty of time because I saw the 335 pace group come by. So I'm standing there waiting. I've got my camera ready. And I see you all off in the distance and I'm videoing. And I take a little bit of video and then I switch to still shots. I take some still shots and I see you approaching me with a <laughs> bottle in your hand and you hand me the bottle and a Gatorade. And then I remember I was supposed to give you a bottle. That was our designated bottle exchange stop. It was. I was so disappointed in myself and you looked like you were not having a good race. Well, that's probably because at mile nine, I should have stopped. <laughs> but you know, the thing about that, I'll pick back up on what Lee was saying. We preached to our athletes that one moment in a race does not define your entire race. So I just kept thinking, it, it could be better the next mile. It could be better the next mile. And I just kind of thought that. And then by mile 18, for whatever reason, Suzanne would ask, hey, there's the porta potties. I'm like, I think I'm all right. Like, I think I get to pass this one. So, Suzanne was a big encouragement, I think, to both Lee. I know she's a big encouragement to me, but it's just at one point I just looked at her and said, You know how blessed I am to have you as my running friend. <laughs> so, it was a good day for me. Even though things didn't go the way as planned, I just, I love this race, really. Well, she's always encouraging to me, Suzanne. And, I think I would have finished without them, but it made it a lot easier knowing somebody was 
waiting on me and helping me and encouraging me. And it was good uh, to finally finish a race. Uh, and finished the race in two years. Now, 2020, I didn't run any, you know, because they shut them all down. But last year, I attempted three and didn't finish any of them. I never had a DNF in my life, so it was sort of a shock to the system that I couldn't finish a race anymore. So it was nice to finish one today. You did good. Well, and he says he didn't finish a race, but I think the first one, only one person finishes. Was that what that race was? Mm-hmm. It was the last man standing race? No, I didn't. That was one down in uh, Tennessee that we did that was a 30K Okay, and then the second one was Tuscazor and the torrential rains. I don't even know how you could climb those hills. Muddy. He had a great race. And then the Moab 240, I mean. 197 and three-quarter miles. Yeah, I mean. Impressive. I did put the little idea in your head that if you ran this for the next two miles, you would finish under this time so i kind of thought that might get you going oh, a did. little bit yeah, yeah the last uh and two the- miles were probably two of my fastest miles because suzanne had given me sort of a mental goal to shoot for and, and i was getting it. very close to the clock time anyway found out later that my chip time i was okay but i'm looking at the clock and i'm seeing i got 30 seconds to go <laughs> i can see the finish line but i'm not there so i actually took off sprinting sprinting the last hundred yards i remember you sprinting at tuscazor when you wanted to finish a lap to make sure you could start the next lap i was impressed and caitlin was going no dad please don't start the next lap (laughs) then we there was a turn that we took and i was turned around and i was yelling come on lee you can do it and paula goes I'm pretty sure he's not paying attention to you. I said, I don't know he's viewing this as helpful. <laughs> so, But it was inspiring. So we reached mile 25, and I um, turn around, and I can kind of see him in the distance. He's at the water stop, and I'm just like, come on, Bob, let's go ahead and go. He'll be fine. <laughs> well, she did a little earlier first. A pace group caught up with us. She goes, let's just go with them. I said, Let's keep Lee in our slice. She goes, you know, that's just the devil trying to get me to go. <laughs> well, so, I had been encouraging you all to go on because yeah, I knew by then I was going to finish. It was just a question of time. So I was trying to encourage you all to go on and finish your race. And I do appreciate you staying with me, though. But that last mile, we set ourselves a little goal and we made it. And mm-hmm. then we, the last two tenths, we ended up passing four women so and then paula got the lean on me so i did don't let her compl- kid you i never get the lean on her she does have a competitive streak just uh, ask her about skip bow he, he has to bring up skip bow when he's four games ahead he won't bring it up when i'm winning which is never happening anymore but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> so back to the fan side of this event you keep, you keep wanting to go back to that. It's all about it, it this podcast all about me now. <laughs> let it go. No, go, go ahead. Wait, I want to hear. So I didn't get my bottle. At, but let me just say about that, at mile, it was about almost mile 15. It was between mile 14 and 15. But I think it was about 14, 75 maybe. Yes. So I eagerly hand you my bottle in order to exchange to get the bottle. And I... Could tell by your face the exchange wasn't happening. 
And at this point, I mean, I really was dehydrated and feeling awful. And so I thought, you know what? I bet he thinks that awful face was directed at him. And it was not at all. And I also think it was a blessing because I switched to complete water after that from mile 14 to where did we see you again? 17? 17. Yes. I switched completely to water. And I'm wondering if that helped flush whatever was going on in my stomach out because the next bathroom stop was... But pretty close to the last one after I saw you again, you know. 17 was my last bathroom stop. So it could have been a blessing in disguise. But when I saw you at 17, I was like, I'm going to put on a smiley, happy face for him so he knows that I am not disappointed that that didn't go as planned. Well, you even mentioned that when we were running, that you were afraid that you'd maybe... Did I say that? I know I was thinking it. expression. I was like, I hope he didn't think that expression was disappointment in him. <laughs> I felt bad enough without anybody else intentionally or unintentionally trying to make me feel bad. But I was texting back and forth with Bethany and Jacob because they were wanting to keep track of you and... I relayed the message to Bethany. He said, I messed up. I was supposed to have a bottle. I didn't have a bottle. I'm going to go get it, and I'm going to take it to her. So I hop in the car. I take off. I'm trying to figure out, is there a quicker way I can get to you other than what I had mapped out in the fan plan at 17 and three-quarter, and I just decided it wasn't worth the risk. I was going to go where I felt like was safe, and so I went to 17 and three quarter. I grabbed the bottle and I decide I'm going to start walking against the flow of traffic so I can get to you a little bit quicker. So while I was going along, I passed a nursing home and there was some elderly people in their chairs and wheelchairs along the street cheering the athletes as they were coming by, but it seemed to me that the athletes weren't paying a whole lot of attention to them, which they're 17 miles into the race, and it's heating up. So after I gave you the bottle, first of all, I was thrilled that you had a smile on your face, and you said, la, 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 everything's going great. Yeah, it was after bathroom stop at mile 17. It was like, everything is awesome, Mm -hmm. the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Mm -hmm. So that was... Very encouraging. I immediately relayed back to Bethany and Jacob. Everything's good. It's all good. But then as I'm going back to the car, I just get the idea. I'm going to try to offer some support for the nursing home fans. He became a bandit in the race. So I've, I've got my, my blue shorts with a belt, and I've got my Boston jacket on. And I take off running down the road like I'm a runner in the race. And I stick my hand out, hoping that they'll stick their hand out. I clap them, and a few of the elderly people stuck their hand out, and they were cheering for me. And I was thanking them, and they had a table. And I said, what What do you have at your table? They had granola bars, so I took a granola bar. It made my day seeing them out there, and I hope it made their day that somebody stopped and took advantage of their generosity mm-hmm. i don't remember if it was lee or suzanne that pointed out that yeah, we the noticed nursing the home residents were sitting there and it really brought tears to my eyes because you know my mom is in a kind of a assisted memory care facility and so it just it lands close to my heart right now but it was sweet that they were out there so my next 
stop on the fan plan was 20 and a half and I made it there without any hiccups and Jessica was a little bit ahead mm -hmm. and I encouraged her at that point to do whatever she could to stay cool, put water on and then it wasn't very long before the three of you came running up the road and I was glad to see you all and it seemed like you were still doing pretty good and then I was off to the 23 and a half mile mark and that's where the fan plan fell apart. I <laughs> just could not, with Google Maps, figure out how to get to that location. And the, the tracking app quit working. Text message alerts quit working. And the online map on their website quit working. So I had no visual of what the course looked like to figure out what roads I could take to get to that spot. So after about 20 minutes of trying to find the 23 mile mark, I decide I just need to go to the finish, which was an ordeal in itself. Also, that took me about another 30 minutes just to get to Highway 202. And But once I got there, well at that point, I saw the final runner in the event with the police car behind and then the rider trucks behind that picking up everything. So immediately after that, they started opening up opening up the roads so I was able to go on some roads even though the sign said no left turn because the runners were finished and made it to 202 which allowed me to get back to the finish line and when I got to the finish line we had a designated meeting spot at the Cracker Barrel across from the Bass Pro Shop and I just knew that you all would already be there because it took me so long. I was expecting that you all would finish somewhere around four hours and 10 minutes. And I think it was closer to four hours and 20 minutes when I finally reached the parking lot. I thought, I really slowed them down from 20 miles on. I really slowed down and they wouldn't leave me. I kept telling them, leave me, go on, go on. They wouldn't leave me. So I really slowed them down. They would have been there in 410 if, if they'd went on their own. But they stayed with me, so I appreciate it. At that point, we were just all in it together, I think. The three amigos. Pretty or much. the three stooges, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> I like amigos, thank you very much. <laughs> so I looked at the rocking chairs at the Cracker Barrel. I didn't see you all. So then I walk over towards the finish area, and I'm thinking, I'm going to miss them if I'm not at the Cracker Barrel. So I go back to the Cracker Barrel, and then Bethany texts me and says, the website just updated or something. Somehow she knew that you all were at 25.8 miles. So I said, well, I'm going back to the finish line. So I go back to the finish line and I'm looking and there's hundreds, if not a thousand people standing <laughs> around and I'm not having any luck finding you all. And then Bethany sends me another message saying that you all had finished. So I called her and said, well, how long ago did they finish? And she said, eight minutes ago. All right, I've missed them. I've got to go back to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> but as I'm making my way to the Cracker Barrel, I saw you all. Is the Cracker Barrel kind of like the Walmart? Are you not supposed to put the in front of Cracker Barrel? I don't know. I think, is it the Cracker Barrel? There's a lot of them, so I don't think it's a the anymore. Is it There's the, multiple units. Is it Smokey the Bear or <laughs> Smokey Bear? Is it Santa the Claus? Or Santa Claus. <laughs> hmm. Well, you know, we, we missed all of our banter at the beginning of this podcast. We might as well add it in now. By I'm finding it very humorous. By banter, do you mean <laughs> picking on me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think other than today wasn't 
my day as far as running a marathon. I would definitely recommend this race to someone. If the race director wanted feedback from the RYR endurance team, my only big item would be having a place to go to the restroom before you get on the buses to make the 40-minute trip because just understanding that a lot of runners have already been in a car for a substantial amount of time to get to the buses. So that would be my biggest feedback. Did you guys have any other feedback as far as things that could have been better? No, I think it was organized very well. And I would recommend it to anybody that comes from a cold area like we do. I mean, it's tough enough to run through the winter time, but when you're putting on coats and jackets and hats and gloves, it just sort of takes a lot of the fun out of running. So that's sort of what got me through December and January and part of February is looking forward to this. I knew for at least four days I was going to be somewhere where it was really warm and I was going to run in a race in almost ideal conditions for me. 50 degrees to 80 degrees, slightly downhill grade most of the way. I mean, I couldn't have picked out a better race, you know, to run since I hadn't ran one in a long time. So I would recommend it for that if no other reason. If you live in a cold climate, come out here and do this one and get away from it for a few days. Yeah, well well supported, tons of volunteers, the just... I, I didn't even know Mesa had so many police officers, but they must have all been out on the race course because, I mean, they were just, and they were all friendly, and I don't know. I thought it was a great race. Plenty of portalettes at each aid station, <laughs> which normally water, I wouldn't even notice. <laughs> plenty of water, plenty of Gatorade, plenty of gels. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were surprised that not only some of them had some kind of ice because towards the end it did... I mean, I'm thinking it was at least in the lower 70s when we stopped. I mean, when we finished. I would have expected ice or sponges yeah. or something. Cold but towels. the cold towels at the after the finish yeah. was nice. That it was felt nice. so good. I just mm-hmm. wrapped it around my neck and was pressing it against my ears. I checked the weather after the race, shortly after, and it said the feels like was 81. Mm. So some feedback from a fan's perspective is get the technology figured out because the technology at least temporarily was a failure when the text messaging alerts don't work and the website doesn't work so that you can't even get to the map that was a little frustrating and stressful for somebody who's trying to be all over the course cheering the the other thing that was a little bit confusing was the day before when we went to the expo, the parking situation, because the lots that would seem the logical place to park that were near the expo were all cordoned off and had security where you couldn't park in those areas. So once we figured out where we could park, it was fine, but it was a little bit confusing, but it was manageable. Park at the Cracker Barrel. (laughs) The Cracker Barrel may not like that (laughs) suggestion, but... So I've got a scripture that I'll share today. It's one that stood out to me one day last week, and it is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Yeah, and you reading that made me remember definitely two praises today. First, my eyes did very well. I was able to spot you on the course, and... I didn't trip over anything. It was Uh awesome. And secondly, I've been fighting the hamstring, upper hamstring issue for 
three years now. And on our training runs, we'd get to mile 12 and it would really start tuning up. I had zero hamstring pain in the entire race. Well, that is a blessing. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a blessing. And Lee was just saying at dinner, sometimes God just shows up to remind us of his love and care for us. Sometimes in funny ways and sometimes in blessed ways. Thank you all for joining us on the podcast today. Glad to do it. It's been fun. It's been fun. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.